You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. It's a brand new show on the channel, brand new show on the podcast. It's the weekend preview. Now, the reason we are doing this is because very often I receive messages from you guys on social media, on Twitter. Um, I'm always really crap at getting back to people. I know that. So forgive me if you have and I haven't responded. Sometimes they go into my message requests and I don't look at those as often as I should, uh, which is a problem. I've even missed out on work before because of not checking those uh, with any sort of regularity. But the reason for this show is because we often, although we focus the shows around Arsenal, sometimes we do digress onto other topics, other subjects, other stories from the Premier League. And this gives me the opportunity to share my thoughts ahead of a Premier League weekend, give you my predictions, give you uh, my kind of feelings on some of the big, big games outside of the Arsenal world. Also point out some games maybe on the continent that you maybe didn't see were taking place this weekend and point you in the right direction as some of the ones that I'm going to be watching. If you'd like to take my recommendations, great. Check them out. Uh, but yeah, really, really looking forward to this. And we're going to run through this weekend's Premier League fixtures. We're going to talk a little bit more about Arsenal's trip to Leicester City. We're going to talk about El Sakiko between Spurs and Manchester United at the weekend. We'll be touching on Liverpool versus Brighton, a game that I am commentating on this weekend. So um Actually quite looking forward to that one. I think it'll be a decent clash. We'll talk about Super Sunday. Is it a little bit underwhelming this week? Um, I think it is, but there's a cracking game on the continent taking place on Sunday evening to fill that void. So I'll be taking you through all of that on this first edition of the Weekend Preview. If you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. It really, really does help the channel. It really, really does. I can't stress enough how much the engagement uh, helps with the YouTube algorithm and it makes the world of difference. So if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. It feels like an absolute age that we've been waiting to get to that 17K mark. I think we're about 30 subscribers away now, but it's been ticking over really, really slowly. I know October was a weird month because we had that long period of international break, but it's re we've really struggled to get to that 17K point here on YouTube. And I'd be delighted if we could do that over the next few days. So please subscribe to the channel if you're new. And if you'd like to go one further by becoming a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description or the join button, depending on what device it is you are watching us from. Let's say a few hellos, big hello uh, to Dave, one of our members. He says, afternoon, Harry, afternoon all. Hope you're well, Dave. Uh, hope you've uh, got a nice weekend planned. Weather's a bit shit here in London, but hopefully it improves over the course of the weekend. Uh, big hello to Kato, who says, buzzing to be back on the live stream. It's been a minute. <laughs> Cheers, Harry. Welcome, mate. Big hello to Chris, who joins us from Canada. He says, have a great Friday before another big win for the Arsenal. Yeah, you know what? This is a good time to, to let you guys know that I am obviously going to be watching the Arsenal game tomorrow, but I do start work on the Liverpool-Brighton game 
pretty shortly after. So instead of doing the full reaction podcast, um, sort of quite close to the end of the game, like we do on, you know, normally when we play away from home, I am going to delay it until the evening, but I will put out a short, brief instant reaction video for those of you uh, who want to check that out. So keep your eyes peeled on that one. Big hello to Julian, uh, to Fala, um, to Nathan, to Felipe, um, to Omar, uh, to Aaron, to Noble, to everybody in the live chat and everybody who's going to be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. So without further ado, let's get on with our weekend preview. Now, of course, Arsenal uh, in the early kickoff take on Leicester City. And this is a game that we've been talking a lot about over the last few days. I put the preview show out a little bit earlier on today, which you can check out on all major podcast stores and on this very YouTube channel. We talked about the opposition with, with Jake Watson from TalkSport yesterday, Leicester City man. He gave us some insight into what's not gone perfectly for Leicester this season, why they are where they are, um, what's been uh, what's been a little bit of a struggle for them, some of the causes of uh, their inconsistency over the start to the season. And the more I think about this, the more I'm kind of getting to the point where, well, I was always at this point, to be fair, but the more convinced I am now that a draw would be a very, very good result. Now, that's not me accepting mediocrity. It's not me accepting that, you know, it's not me going into a game saying I don't want to win it. Of course I do. Of course I want Arsenal to go out there and blow them off the park and come away with all three points. That would be fan-bloody-tastic. But I am trying to be realistic here about this Arsenal team. And although we've been on a really good run lately, I'm beating an eight, um, not all of the performances have been amazing. You know, there have been... Uh, some moments, some periods in games where we haven't looked uh, at our best. There's been periods where we've really, really struggled. And, and you know, not just for creativity, but at times defensively as well. We've given away soft, cheap, easy goals. The Crystal Palace game sticks in my mind for that. Um, so to, to, to kind of get carried away with this team and kind of feel like this team are at a point now where they should go to Leicester and by rights win the game of football, I think is massively naive. And I think that if you set your expectations too high, you will inevitably be disappointed. That's not accepting mediocrity. That's not accepting the bar being lower. It's just understanding that we're just not quite at that place where you can push that bar up and where you can be so strict and so kind of... Um, unaccepting of anything less than a victory. I think a, a draw at the King Power would be a very, very good result. Spurs take on Man United, remember, this weekend. So either or both of those sides will drop points. Um, you know, you've got to think about that. Brighton, a team that are above us at the moment, they go to Anfield. That's not going to be an easy game. So just looking at some of the fixtures uh, going on elsewhere this week, I think that you know, Everton as well on Monday night, they go away to Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's a really difficult game as well. I think Wolves have been really, really good this season. I've really enjoyed watching them. So I think when you look at that, when you take all of that into consideration, plus the fact that Leicester have finished above Arsenal in the last couple of seasons and have really, really, um, you know, have really, really kind of been consistent for the most part, unfortunately for them, have fallen away at the back end of those campaigns. I think to be in a place where we are expecting to go and win there, I think is something that we're not quite ready for. And I, I don't think we're quite at that point in this process, journey, development, whatever you want to call it. So I am 
I would be content with a draw. I've got to be honest. That won't go down well with some people. I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get people telling me that, uh, you know, I'm, my, my standards are low and I'm making excuses for Mikel Arteta before the game's even started. No, because just because I accept a draw doesn't mean I'm going to accept a really poor subpar performance. I want to see Arsenal go out there and be committed and, and give their all and, and put in a really good account of themselves. So I want to see a performance, but I'd be content with a draw. Um, it is my my view on that. My prediction, which I shared on the preview show a little bit earlier on, is 1-1. Um, and, and I stick by that for the time being. Uh, some concerns over some injuries, of course, and, and some, you know, illnesses. Ben White, a doubt, you know, what happens if he's not available? Do you bring Rob Holding in? Do you put Takahiro Tomiyasu in at centre-back and then weaken us at right-back? I don't know. Um, you know, there's lots for Mikel to kind of mull over and think about. Is Kieran Tierney going to be fit enough to start as well? Or does Nuno Tavares play uh, at left-back? Lots and lots for Mikel Arteta to consider between now and uh, and tomorrow's game. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at on Arsenal. But let's look ahead at some of the rest of the Premier League fixtures. Um, there's a few that are just pretty damn uninspiring, which we're not really going to get into. Burnley, Brentford, you know, I'm I'm not a massive Burnley fan, you know, I don't, I don't buy into this narrative of, you know, they are, they, you know, they just do what they can and they do what they need to do to stay in the division. And Sean Dyche has done a wonderful job. I think he's done a good job in keeping them in the Premier League. I don't think you can overlook that. And when you consider or, or take into account the resource that he has had at his disposal in comparison to some of the other clubs that have even found themselves relegated, you have to say that he's done a good job, Sean Dyche. But is it amazing? No. If it was amazing, Sean Dyche would have been picked up by someone else by now. And the reason he hasn't is because the style of football is drab, it's dull, it's horrible, it's not sexy at all. And no Premier League club, owner, etc. at this moment feels as though Sean Dyche coming in would really take them forward. And and I'm at a point where I want to see Burnley relegated. I'm sorry, I don't like them. I don't like the way they play football. I don't like a lot of the things they stand for. I don't like that they they walk that line of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable um, sort of physically in terms of the challenges they make, the way they put themselves about. I don't like it. I get why they do it. They do it to level the playing field. But as I've said before, I'm not a Burnley fan and I would love to see Brentford go there and beat them uh, because Brentford are the opposite of that. Brentford are a side who can mix it up, who can play, um, you know, with a lot more kind of physical dominance than most teams in the league, but also have the ability to play football as well. And that's a hybrid of the two styles that Thomas Frank seems to have been able to put together and build. Yet Sean Dyche, who's supposedly one of the best English managers out there, according to some, hasn't been able to do that in all of those years. Um, moving on, Liverpool, Brighton, it's a 3 p.m. kickoff. And as I mentioned earlier on, I'm on commentary for that one. You can, if you want to tune into my commentary, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, you can find it on the Flash Score app. If you haven't downloaded it already, check it out. It's one of the good apps in terms of um, uh, keeping up to date and across the fixtures. And on it, there is an audio option. So if you click on Liverpool, Brighton at five to three, Tomorrow, you'll be able to catch me on live comms uh, covering the game from Anfield. I think it's going to be a Liverpool win. I think that Liverpool are in a place where they're kind of relentless at the moment. They're a bit of a machine. Everything is clicking. Everything is working well. Jurgen Klopp's having to make changes in the midfield, but it, they're still getting through largely down to the brilliance of Mo Salah, who continues to 
set the Premier League alight. Um, you know, I think I think Liverpool are going to win this one. I think that Brighton, to their credit, will not go to Anfield and sit back. I think they'll go there and try and play Liverpool, which is great. And it's the right way to do it. And I'm a huge admirer of Graham Potter's side and, and the style that he's implemented there. But I don't think that they're a team that are going to set up in the way that will frustrate Liverpool. I think they'll leave spaces because of their willingness and desire to play higher up the pitch. And I just think Liverpool will have too much quality there. So I expect Liverpool to take all three points from that one. And I think we're going to start to see, I think we have started to see over the last few weeks, Brighton just levelling out a little bit. Uh, moving on, Man City, Crystal Palace should be a routine home win for Manchester City. Uh, for me, they're the, still the best team in the country. They're still the ones to beat. They've got so many different options in attack. You know, a lot has been made over the course of the season about their lack of a natural centre forward, but they still score goals and they still score plenty of goals. Add to that, uh, the acquisition of Ruben Diaz last season has made them a lot more solid defensively. I still think they're the ones to beat. There's a tiny little part of me having watched Crystal Palace at the Emirates Stadium, you know, just what, a, just over a week ago um, or two weeks ago now. There's a little part of me that feels like Crystal Palace are capable of making this less comfortable for Man City than some people will probably expect it to be. I've really enjoyed what Patrick Vieira's side have done. I don't think they win the game. They haven't won more than one game this season. Obviously, it came against that lot down the road. But as the song goes, Tottenham get battered everywhere they go. Um, but there's... There's... There's a tiny little part of me, and I promise I'm going to clip this up and put it bloody everywhere if this comes true, that feels like Crystal Palace, the Premier League's draw specialists this season, are going to pull a draw out of the bag here. Don't ask me why. You know, I, it's just a hunch. It's just a feeling. But they have made themselves difficult to beat, but they do have the ability to play out now under Patrick Vieira, something that they didn't have uh, previously. You know, I think it's... it's um, it's a real credit to Patrick Vieira that the performances have improved. Obviously, the results need to come next. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a small part of me that feels like Crystal Palace, the draw specialist, they've managed six draws already this season, are going to go to Manchester City and get something. Just a hunch. Fingers crossed. And yeah, you can all call me a genius on uh, on Monday if it comes to fruition. Uh, moving on from that one, it's Newcastle versus Chelsea. That one also takes place at 3 p.m. And, and I'm finding this Newcastle situation a little bit difficult to kind of to stomach at the moment. Lots of clamour about Mike Ashley. Lots of disappointment um, about the way he kind of run the club over the last few years but it felt to me as though some people maybe not so much Newcastle fans but people maybe from the outside were looking at this as well if Mike Ashley goes and then Steve Bruce goes everything will be solved make no mistake about it Newcastle need to improve and they need to improve quickly they're in serious danger of being sucked into a you know, well, they are in a relegation battle. They're currently 19th. They've only got four points on the board. They haven't won a single game. They've managed four draws up until now. Okay, they picked up a, a draw in their last fixture, um, a 1 1 draw at Crystal Palace. But they've just been so disappointing. They look so toothless. They look so poor. Chelsea go there, you know, again, we talk about absentees, we talk about Lukaku, we talk about Werner. Um, Despite those players miss, being missing, they managed to put seven past Norwich last weekend. OK, it's Norwich, but Newcastle ain't all that good either. 
you know, and, and I could see Chelsea winning this one quite handsomely. I think Newcastle fans obviously were celebrating and, and hopefully for them, hopefully for football, you know, because Newcastle are a great club. Don't get me wrong. Hopefully the future will see them kind of get back to closer to where they deserve to be. But there's a lot of work to do between now and then. You know, there is no manager in place at the moment, not not permanent anyway, not full time. They're going to need to sort that out and they're going to need to sort that out sooner rather than later. But given their league position, given how weak the squad looks, unless there are huge, enormous guarantees of what they're going to do in January, it's not going to be as easy to attract the manager to that football club right now as some people think it is. You know, they've been linked with Lucien Favre. They've been linked with Paolo Fonseca. Even those two, you know, are they open to it? Would they take the job now? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it's a much more difficult situation. And I think a lot more work needs to be done at Newcastle United before we're talking about them challenging for the Champions League and Europa League spots. I mean, people were talking as if they'd go and buy a ton of players in January and all of a sudden they'd be, you know, pushing into the latter stages of this season and then, you know, really mounting a challenge next season. I think it's going to be a lot more of a slower process. If you think back to when Chelsea did it, right, when the investment came for Chelsea, it was just Arsenal and Man United that they needed to catch up with. If you think about when Man City did it, then it become Man United, Chelsea and Arsenal and Liverpool. And now it's Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool, United. It's very, very difficult, I think, to break into that kind of elite little club that's forming at the moment. And um, Liverpool have done it because they've been very well coached and they've been very smart in their recruitment over the years. Newcastle have an advantage in the sense that they have that financial power. But there's a lot more steps, I feel, that need to be taken between the current position they're in and then the base from which they can spring on and really start pushing for the kind of top positions in the league and the top trophies. I think there's a long way to go there. And I think Newcastle fans need a little bit of grounding for the time being because they're going to struggle for, you know, the short term, at least until they can appoint a manager, until they can implement a style. And until, as the Newcastle fans keep telling me, the players are better coached because according to a lot of Newcastle fans, Steve Bruce is largely responsible for where they find themselves. Well, he's gone now. So there's no more excuses. Watford take on Southampton. Um, Claudio Ranieri obviously takes his team into that one off the back of a really good win at Everton, a win that very few saw coming. But I did say on a couple of shows that I'd been on when Watford hired Ranieri that he is the type of guy that will pull a result out of the bag when you least expect it. And that can potentially spark something special. And obviously, you know, the, the win at Everton was great, but it's really important now that Watford focus nail down on what they need to do. You know, Southampton come to town. They've not had a great start to the season. Just the one victory for them, five draws, uh, three defeats up until now. I think it's really, really important that Watford continue that momentum. Because if Watford, um, you know, can pick up uh, another three points, then they start to create quite a nice little cushion between themselves and the drop zone. I think for me, Watford... If they can win this game, it's it's massive. It's huge. It, it kind of continues the, the Ranieri hype train. It energises it. It pushes it further along the track. And people can start to get even more behind Ranieri, who I think is a very good manager, very underrated manager. We talk about him a lot, or we did talk about him a lot last season on Simply Serie A, uh, because, of course, he's 
seen as a bit of a stabilizer. You know, he goes into clubs, he went into Roma, he stabilized things, he went to Sampdoria, done the same. And now he's at Watford. Watford have a decent squad, in my opinion, a much better squad than people maybe give them credit for. And so I expect Claudio Ranieri to get them out of trouble. I really, really do. But a big step towards that, although it's very early in the season, a big step towards creating a bit of a cushion from which he can, you know, look at and and kind of take a sigh of or take a bit of a pause to kind of recalibrate and refresh and maybe then look at implementing some some even more new ideas and maybe more adventurous ideas. This win, if they get it against Southampton at the weekend, gives him that breathing space to then go, okay, we've worked hard. We've picked up six points. We've created some space between ourselves and the drop zone. That's the the kind of panic mode over. Let's get back to business and let's get back to looking at something that will help us over the longer term of the season. Um, So, yeah, uh, I think it's a big game for Watford. Big game for Southampton as well, because they've really, really struggled and they they need to kickstart their season somehow, don't they? Then we move on to the late game on Saturday, which is El Sacico Spurs versus Manchester United. Nuno Espirito Santo, obviously under pressure uh, with the Spurs fans. I know a lot of Spurs fans that are not happy with what Nuno's done so far. They say that even when Tottenham have won this season, um, you know, the performances haven't been convincing. The football looks dull. The football looks drab. And I get all of that because we've seen a lot of that at our club. But Tottenham are on 15 points. It's not time to press the panic button just yet. They're two points outside of the top four. And I would argue that finishing in the top six is what Tottenham's ambition and goal should be this season. So to, to sack Nuno Espirito Santo for being in sixth place at this stage in the season, in his first season, I think would be incredibly harsh. I get the concerns about the performance. I do. Um, You know, as I say, it's something that we've seen. It's something that we've struggled with, but it's a results business, remember. And Tottenham's results haven't been anywhere near as bad as the kind of mood around the place seems to suggest. So I think that Tottenham, you know, although the football's not been great, have reason to kind of not be optimistic because the performances are poor and obviously poor performances, even if they do result in victories in the short term, are, are, is not, it's not a sustainable way of progressing. It's not a sustainable way of, of carrying a club forward. But what I would say is give Nuno a bit more time. You know, I, I would give him more time anyway. Um, I don't think if I were a Spurs fan, I'd be on his back just yet. I wouldn't be calling for his head. I understand some of the concerns, but I mean, the short-termism in football among fans at the moment is just madness. It's absolute madness. If you went into an organisation in whatever profession it is that you do and you were to take on something that was massively underachieving, which is ultimately why they came and hired you, then how can you be expected to completely turn it all around in the space of like, well, we had nine games, that's nine weeks. It's not enough, not enough at all. Uh, moving forward uh, to Manchester United, who, of course, are the, the big story going into this game. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has survived the week uh, after that humiliating defeat at the hands of Liverpool last time out. And I mean, a lot of people were kind of furious at Ollie and were calling for his head off the back of that performance. And I think for me, I think. Obviously, listen, let me let me just get this out there. I despise Manchester United. I always have. I don't want 
anything positive to happen to Manchester United. I, I just don't. You know, that rivalry that we had with them during the late 90s, early 2000s is something that will always be with me. The hatred I felt for Manchester United during that period is something that will never go away. And I can't just turn that off. I'm being completely honest. I take great pleasure in watching Man United struggle, in watching Man United suffer. I think that to sack a manager based on the Liverpool result is harsh. But equally, I accept that Manchester United fans have been worried about what they've seen from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side for a while. You know, Paul Scholes called it, didn't he? He predicted that this would happen against Liverpool uh, last weekend, and it did. So if you're a Man United fan who says that you want Oli out because you feel as though over the course of this season, you, you've seen a lot of issues, a lot of problems, and you haven't seen the improvement that the signings they made in the summer kind of suggested they would make, then that's fine and that's okay. But if you're being over-the-top reactionary, and calling for his head purely based on the Liverpool result. Liverpool can do that to anyone because they are that bloody good. Mo Salah is that bloody good. So I'd, I'd say you've got to find, you know, what what is it that's making you as a Man United fan not want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the job? If it's, a, a, you know, a run of things and a, a culmination of things, then fine. You know, you're, you're fully justified to call for his head. I've said before, I've called him on the 90 min gas tank, a PE teacher. I've said that he wouldn't get that job in any other world. I can't believe that he's been given it at Manchester United. I've said that he will be the reason that they don't go on and challenge for the title because everybody else in that top bracket, they have top class players, just like Manchester United do in some areas, but they have top quality coaches and Manchester United don't have that. They don't have one of the key ingredients that City, Chelsea and Liverpool all have. So they were always going to fall short for me. But having said that, the reason why I'm kind of not so like, well, there's two reasons why I'm not so like kind of loud about Ollie out. First one is because I'm fucking loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I hate Man United. And to see them suffer is great. The longer he stays in the job, the more open that fourth position becomes. And I'm not saying that Arsenal are going to take it or, or be able to get it. But, um, you know, it's 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 there. It'll be there and it'll be up for grabs. I still think Man United's superior quality in terms of their squad will get them over the line. But there's a chance with Oli at the helm that somebody else can nip in and take that position. So obviously, um, I want him to stay in. You know, it, and, and that's that. But also as well, I think that in terms of some of the signings that they made over the summer, yes, they made some positive signings. But did they address the one area? that was so, so important? Did they sort out that midfield? Did they find somebody who can offer the defensive structure and stability and discipline that someone like Fred does, for example, but can also influence and impact the game further up the pitch? I don't think they did. So I think to to say that they were going to be in the title race throughout the duration of this season was unrealistic. And therefore, um, my expectations of them are not as high as other people's, but equally, I don't expect them to be battered um, by Manchester United the way they were at Old Trafford. 
and uh, and I can understand uh, why that's really upset Manchester United fans. But listen, long may it bloody continue. Uh, moving on to Sunday's games. I talked about Sunday being a little bit underwhelming. Norwich leads both sides in desperate needs for points. I think Norwich already relegated. I said it before the season started and I've seen nothing from them to change my mind. Leeds United, you know, really good last season. They'll be really disappointed with the way they've started this campaign. They need to start somewhere. I think Norwich play the type of football uh, from which Leeds, if they're anywhere near their best, could really uh, capitalise on or, or take advantage of and play their game. And it should be quite open. It should be quite expansive. I say that probably be really cagey because of the nerves around it now, given the, the you know, the desperate need for points. But yeah, I think that, uh, it's just an underwhelming Super Sunday in it. I can categorically tell you now, I will not be watching that one. I might, though, be watching Aston Villa versus West Ham. A lot of hype around Aston Villa going into the season. And to be quite frank, up until this point, they have not lived up to it. Not lived up to it in the slightest. I said they wouldn't. I said that losing Grealish would be a big deal. And I really got frustrated over the summer with Arsenal fans telling me that, you know, Aston Villa were going to be miles ahead of us this season because of the players they've signed. I got fed up of Arsenal players um, telling me that uh, Arsenal players, Arsenal fans, I should say, uh, telling me that we made a grave error not signing Emi Buendia. What's he done at Aston Villa? What's he done? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Villa have reinvested a lot of that money that they got in for Jack Grealish poorly. I said it in the summer. People laughed at me. And over the course of this season, you're going to see it. You really are. West Ham, on the other hand, they've had a great start to the season. They continue their brilliant form under David Moyes, who deserves a hell of a lot of praise because he got a lot of stick after the Man United job didn't go as he'd have liked. Um, but he's back for a second time at West Ham. They didn't even want him back. Imagine that. And now they're singing his praises from the rooftops at the London Stadium because he's doing brilliantly. I think West Ham are capable of winning at Villa. Um, I think that one will probably end in a draw, though. Gut feel. Uh, moving on to Monday's game. I mentioned it a little bit earlier on, but that's the game between Wolves and Everton. That one takes place at Molyneux. Everton not looking great lately. It has to be said, you know, they've lost two of their last three, haven't won in three. Um, and I think the defeat against West Ham, it can happen at Goodison Park, but the defeat at home to Watford has really casted, uh, has really cast doubt, uh, sorry, um, has really cast doubt over whether Rafa Benitez is the man to take this Everton side forward. And listen, again, as I always say, you shouldn't be too reactionary. You shouldn't look at one-off fixtures. This league can do that. This league can throw up um, strange results. But this is a, a big game for Everton now to kind of shut people up and, and get their season back on track because a trip to Wolves, uh, a win there would be a bit of a statement. But Wolves have been in good form this season. I've really enjoyed watching Wolves play. Currently in 11th place, they've got 13 points on the board, just one less than Arsenal. But their performances, uh, especially at the start of the season, have really, um, you know, have really, have really not reflected in their results, if that makes sense. I think in the first few weeks, you looked at Wolves, there was a couple of games, Man United, I remember, Spurs, I think they played really well against as well. Um, was it Spurs? Yeah, I think it was. There's been a few games where they've played really, really well and then not got the result that they deserved off the back of it. It's starting to kind of, 
or the performances are starting to come to fruition now. You're starting to see them pick up more points. Uh, I do enjoy um, watching Bruno Lage's sides. I think they're much more open, much more expansive than that of Nuno Espirito Santo, which is what we've come to associate with Wolves. But I think that's going to be a, a, a decent game. I think that's one of the fixtures in this round of games that's maybe gone under the radar a little bit when everybody's been talking about Leicester Arsenal and United Spurs and and Liverpool Brighton. I think this could be a really tasty fixture and it's one that's gone under the radar a little bit. Um, I'd like to see Wolves win it just because I, I've really enjoyed watching them so far this season. Um, Everton, I know they've had players missing, but they've been a little bit cautious at times. And when you're cautious, you hope that that is or when you see a team being cautious, you, the, the excuse that normally comes from the other side is, oh, it's because we're trying to be more stable defensively and we don't want to give up much. And that works, or that argument works when you're losing games narrowly and you can say, you know, it's it's just the way we want to play. It's the way we feel that we've got the greatest chance of picking up results. And like I said, you lose 1-0 to West Ham. Nobody's really making that much of a fuss about it. But you lose by conceding five at home to Watford then people are going to start asking questions. And I think Rafa Benitez is, has got his back against the wall a little bit now. Everton, a lot of investment in that club over the last few seasons, and uh, they'll be hoping to push on. But if they keep stuttering this way, then that's not likely to happen. So, uh, yeah, cool. OK, that rounds up the Premier League fixtures this weekend. Now, in terms of European action, I talked about Super Sunday being a little bit underwhelming. And it is for me, I've got to say, it is underwhelming. But if we look across the leagues um, on Saturday, uh, if you're interested in La Liga, uh, you've got, of course, Barcelona taking Deportivo Alaves on. That one's on the Saturday night, 8pm UK time. Obviously, uh, Ronald Koeman is no longer in the job. If you're interested in Serie A, then on Saturday at 2pm there's a decent game between Atalanta and Lazio. Uh, Gasparini versus Sari. that should be a decent watch, to be fair. But taking it forward to Sunday, because I did start off by saying that Sunday, Super Sunday, is incredibly underwhelming. A um, couple of decent games in La Liga, Atletico Madrid and Real Betis. They play at 315 that should be a decent watch. And then Real Sociedad, who are flying at the moment, they face Athletic Bilbao um, on, in, in Serie A on Sunday. Uh, interplay early. They play at 11.30 UK time against Udinese. But the standout game from the Serie A uh, this weekend is, of course, Jose Mourinho's Roma versus um, Pioli's AC Milan. That's the 7.45 kickoff on Sunday night. So I tell you what. Don't watch Super Sunday. Pop that time in the bank. Spend it on your families. Spend it on your missuses. Spend it on whoever so that you get that credit back and use that credit instead of Sunday afternoon. Use it on Sunday evening and watch Roma versus AC Milan. That's what I'm going to be doing. And I look very forward uh, to that one. And I look forward to talking about it on Simply Serie A, which you can find, by the way, via the link in the description. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of that in which we'll be, I'm sure, unpacking that fixture. So that concludes the first ever weekend preview show here on the Chronicles of Aguna. Hope you've enjoyed it. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if there's stuff you'd like to be added, stuff you don't enjoy, um, you know, 
feedback basically would be nice. Uh, you can catch me over on the Guna Talk TV in a little bit. Uh, myself and Tom Canton, uh, after some great feedback on a, a few shows we've done with each other in recent times, have decided to do one weekly and we're going to be sharing it between the two channels, two podcasts. I know a lot of you in this chat box uh, already subscribed to the Guna Talk, but we're going to be kicking that off in about 10 minutes time. So come and join us for the first ever episode of that. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you all uh, over the weekend and uh, see you soon. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.